welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. We have been in a series for quite some time walking through the book of Nehemiah. This morning we find ourselves in the 11th chapter. This is our 17th message as we have walked verse by verse through the book of Nehemiah. The people of God had turned their back on the one true God. They'd begun to worship pagan gods and God sent prophets to tell them that they needed to return and turn back to the one true God. They refused to listen. Because of their refusal to listen to the prophets to turn back under the one true God, God sent them into Babylonian captivity because there's always consequences when we turn our backs on God. And for 70 years, they found themselves in Babylonian captivity. There was a new king that came to power in Persia by the name of Cyrus, and he decreed that the people of God could go back to Jerusalem and they could begin to rebuild their temple, reestablish proper temple worship, and rebuild the walls. We saw in the book of Ezra, there was a fellow by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel made his way there to Jerusalem, and he began the process of rebuilding the temple. Ezra joined him, and they reestablished proper temple worship. Some years later, a fellow by the name of Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the king after much prayer and fasting, he came to Jerusalem with not only permission from the king, but with provisions from the king to rebuild the walls. Now that the temple has been rebuilt, now that proper temple worship is happening, it's time to rebuild the walls and fortify the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah makes his way on the scene and they did not accomplish this task without some enemies coming against them. But in just 52 days, they accomplished the task of rebuilding the walls. They celebrated this great task that had been accomplished by God's people. And then we came to chapter seven. And when we come to chapter seven, Nehemiah, you got to get What's happening in chapter 7 if you're going to understand 11? When we come to chapter 7 of Nehemiah, Nehemiah understands that it is time to repopulate the city of Jerusalem. You see, when they were exiled to Babylon, there were some 800,000 of them. While in Babylon, many scholars believe they rose to over a million Jews there in Babylon. When it came time to go back to rebuild the city, only 50,000 people returned. And Nehemiah, after having completed the wall, understood that they needed some bodies. They needed some more people. And he began the process of challenging the people to commit to living inside the walls. There's, there's a reason that it was going to take commitment to live inside the walls. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But in chapter 7, he begins this process. And he hasn't finished it when we get to chapter 8. And in chapter 11, he's going to begin the repopulating process. Now, what happened in chapters 8, 9, and 10 that distracted Nehemiah and the people of God from finishing 
the task of repopulating the city. Revival broke out. And in in chapters eight, nine, and 10, you'll remember the very first part of chapter eight, they went to Ezra. You remember what they said to Ezra? Bring the book, Ezra. And Ezra began to preach the word of God to them. He began to read the word of God to them. And they found themselves in a place of confession. They found themselves in a place of repentance. Remember they spent a fourth of the day reading the word of God. They spent a fourth of the day praying. And revival breaks out all through Israel in chapters 8, 9, and 10. And they have a wonderful time together celebrating these feasts and these festivals and all the great things that God has done. And so the work that was happening in chapter seven, they called time out. And they said, we're going to shout a little while and we're going to enjoy revival. And in chapter 11, we're going to get back to the task. And today, I want to ask a question that after revival, we thought we were just gonna have a Bible conference, right? But we prayed that God would do something unusual. And many have said to me, Pastor, why were you so surprised God did something unusual? You had people up here 24 hours a day praying that he would, and thank God that he did. I mean, we saw God do some great things this past week. And we were, we were on the road accomplishing a task. What was our task? Well, we were trying to be witnesses here in this community. We're trying to be a light to people in this community that they might come to know Jesus Christ. We had taken on the task of building a building where we could bring children in and, and, and we could teach them the word of God and teach them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we're, we're busy being deacons and being ushers and being uh, parking lot duty greeters and being, being care team leaders and being grow group leaders and all of that kind of stuff. And then last week, God just broke in for a little while and we called time out and just had church for a while. Amen. And the question becomes, and this is what I want to preach on this morning. What now? What now? What do you do after revival? Well, Nehemiah is going to show us you go right back to the task and you get busy doing what you were doing before. So let's stand together this morning and read beginning in Nehemiah chapter 11 and verse one. I am not going to read this entire chapter. If you'd like to read it when you get home, you'll understand why your, press, your pastor is not going to read this entire chapter. There's some, if you're looking for some baby names, we've got like 27,000 people that are pregnant right now. And if y'all are looking for, uh, some names, Nehemiah 11 and 12 would be a good place to start. All right. Or you can go all the way back to chapter 10 too. All right. Are you with me in chapter 11, verse 1? Say amen. amen. Are you listening quick? Say amen. amen. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of 10 to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all of them that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Now these are the chief of the province that dwelt in Jerusalem, but in the cities of Judah dwelt everyone in his possession in their cities to wit, Israel, the priests, and the Levites, and the Nethanims, and the children of Solomon's servants. Skip down to verse 6. And all the sons of Perez that dwelt at Jerusalem were 400, threescore, and eight valiant men. Skip down to verse 14. We'll see about the chief rulers and the priests. It says, and their brethren, 
mighty men of valor, 120 and 8, and their overseer, Zabdiel, the son of one of the great men. Heavenly Father, touch the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This narrative of Nehemiah 11 should be instructive to us this morning as we walk through what is happening here in Nehemiah chapter 11. If you're taking notes, I see, first of all, there was a period of revival. I have touched on that. I want to revisit that for just a minute. But you remember I said by way of introduction that when we came to chapter 7, Nehemiah is busy working to repopulate the city. He's concerned about the sparse population inside the walls. And in chapter 7, he begins to remedy that problem. That's when we get to chapters 8, 9, and 10, when revival broke out and they shout out to Ezra, bring the book. And they were experiencing a great revival. And I was reminded this week that their revival started when they cried out to Ezra, bring the song book. No, bring the book. I said, bring the book. That is the word of God that Ezra stood and he would stand on. And I was talking to a friend yesterday and they were talking about revival this past week and how God really ministered to them this week. And here's what they said to me, brother Jordan. They said, you know, in times past, I've been in revivals that have been extended. And it's almost as if I always got hooked on the music. It was the music that seemed to always draw people. And, and, and this week it was kind of different. Because this week, it was the preaching of the word of God. Amen. Now, music is powerful. I, I, I don't discount that. Music is powerful, but, but you can manipulate people with music. You can manipulate them to come to an altar, have a crying fit, do whatever, go back to their car and have no eternal result whatsoever. But you let the book do the work. And when the book does the work, Things change, amen? And so revival began to take place when, when they said to Ezra, just bring us the book. And revival came through the word of God, amen? So there's revival that has broken out in chapters 8, 9, and 10. And then Nehemiah's got to determine, what are we going to do now? Now let me say this. Revival interrupting your plans is never a problem. Revival that they experienced and what God did in this place last week was not a waste of time. And what you're going to see is it actually prepares the hearts of the people for what's ahead of them. Because repopulating the city was not going to be an easy task. And there was much risk that came with moving back inside the walled city of Jerusalem, but I believe that the revival that they experienced is going to encourage them to take a step of faith and be obedient to what the man of God calls them to do. You say, what, what are we going to do, pastor? Well, we're going to do the same thing that they did. They just got back to doing what they were doing before revival broke out. So what were we doing before revival broke out, man? We're just trying to win people to Jesus, amen? We're just trying to love people right where they are. We're just trying to tell them that there is hope found in none other than Jesus Christ. We're trying to tell people that in possessions and in position and in prestige, there is no glory. But in the person of Jesus Christ, there is somebody that can do for you what nothing else can do. 
do. We're just going to get back to deacon. We're just going to get back to serving where God has told us to serve. We've got missionaries to support. Hey, we got a building to pay for. That's good. By the way, I don't know if you're paying attention, but October has five Sundays. I said, we got a building to pay for, amen. And that revival stirred the people to get back at it. And every now and then, that's just kind of what we get to experience around here, man. We take a time out, have a shouting spell, and then just get back to work. And that's exactly what the people of God are going to do. So there was a period of revival. But then notice with me, there was a place of risk. Now, if you've watched the news, obviously, as Pastor Hayden shared with us in the last 24 hours, you're very aware that Israel is a dangerous place. They've they've been surrounded by their enemies for as long as we can remember. The same was true in the days of Nehemiah. And for those who were going to return to the holy city, they were entering a place of danger because having a sparse population constituted a pretty significant problem. All right, go with me real quickly. Nehemiah stands up and he says, hey, we need some people that would be willing to move out from the hills of Judea And we need you to move inside the city of Jerusalem. But let me warn you before you move in, it may cost you your livelihood and it may cost you your life. But I believe this is what God would have us to do is to repopulate his holy city. So if Nehemiah stood up and said that to you, who's ready to move in? Notice with me a couple of things. Their lives were at risk. Now that the wall was complete, Jerusalem is like a fortress. And a fortress needs a bunch of people to stand and set a guard so that they can watch out for the enemy that might come. And without an increase in population... They don't have enough people to set up a watch and they could easily be overrun by their enemies. So for the safety of the city and the well-being of the city, Nehemiah said, I need some people that will stand and set a watch knowing that your life will be at risk because now, because of these walls, you would think that would repel the enemy, but it doesn't. It causes the enemy to want to destroy them even more. It's almost as if by building the wall, Jerusalem had put a target on themselves and said, bring it on. And Nehemiah knew if they didn't have some people watching, if they didn't have some people setting a watch, they could easily be overrun by the enemy. And a larger population of people that would say, yes, we'll go, we'll move into the city, would be a great blessing to that city. But those that move in need to understand Their lives are going to be in danger because the enemy will now come after them. It's interesting to me, the walls were built, they had revival, and then the enemy showed up. We're a prime target, church. I'm telling you, the enemy would love nothing more 
than to create division, distraction, defeat, and death to anything going on inside of this church. And right after revival, right after a great victory, you become a prime target for the enemy. So I need to say to you this morning, we need some folks that'll set a watch. We need some folks that will be on post and say, enemy, not here, brother. You're not dragging me into mully grubbing about something that I don't like. You're not dragging me into spreading stuff about that might be perceived as negative inside the house of God. But I'm going to set a watch and I'm going to stomp the head of the enemy when it rises up. Thank God for some people that said, I know it might put me at risk, but I am going to move in and I am going to set a watch and look out for the danger. Their lives were at risk, but their livelihoods were at risk. For those that were willing to move back into the city, it wasn't going to be easy. Nobody's lived there in 70 years. Everything had to be rebuilt. And you talk about significant commitment, it would be required. Think about the farmers that were living out on the hills of Judea. Now they've got to move back into ground that hadn't been plowed in 70 years. The other thing is, is when you're out in the hills of Judea, you can hide in the hills when the enemy comes. If you inside the walls, there's nowhere to hide. So who's signing up for this? It's almost as if Nehemiah stands up and says, okay, we got to repopulate the city. Aren't you thankful for the revival we just had? Now, in light of the revival we just had, there's a holy city that needs to be repopulated. And if you move in, it might cost you your livelihood and it might cost you your life. Who's ready to go? Are y'all are picking up what I'm putting down? So let's discover who said, sign me up. Sign me up, I'll move in. Watch this. There was a period of revival, there was a place of risk, and then finally, there were people of response. Many of them responded to this invitation by Nehemiah to say, we need to move back into the city. And they knew what was at stake because in verse six, the Bible says it took eight or 400, three score and eight valiant men. In verse 14, it says they were mighty men of labor. And I know it singles out the men, but if the men moved in, guess what? Their families came with them. So there had to be some ladies that were willing to take some risk as well. Because this wasn't going to be easy. It was going to take great commitment, but let's see who moved in. Let's see who moved into the city. I have just arrived at verse one. Watch this. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. So you want to know who moved in? Number one, it was the rulers. Those people that were in positions of leadership said, we'll lead the way. We're moving in. The leadership, if you will, was committed to the cause. They didn't have to be convinced. 
They didn't have to have their arms twisted. The leaders themselves said, we're, we know we belong in this holy city and we're going to move into here knowing that there is an eternal work that is happening and we're going to obey what the Lord has called us to do. And the truth is most leaders in the world today rule their nations with anything other in mind than a holy heavenly city. We've got leaders across the world today that despise the things of God. They, they, they then encourage others to despise the things of God and the gospel. Never in my life have I seen much, so much corrupt leadership in this country and around the world. I don't care if you're a D or an R. It is corrupt. And we're watching corruption on every side. Listen, these same people, these same people that are screaming to us, now if you're fragile... Just hold on a minute. <laughs> These same people that are screaming to us, climate change, climate change. By the way, God's got the whole world in his hands. I'm not worried about it. Amen. I ain't worried about that whatsoever. But, but these same people that are supposed to be our leaders, they flying around on jets to talk about how the world is warming. Are you crazy, man? Leaders. Not in this day. You know where the leaders were here? They was already inside the, inside the walls of the city. They said, hey, we're not going to ask the people to do anything we ain't willing to do ourselves. If war breaks out, we ain't getting in a bunker somewhere, man. Give me a weapon and let's go. That's the kind of leadership that Nehemiah exemplified. Bring it on, right? Isn't that the kind of leaders you want? And that's who Nehemiah was. I want you to know that inside your church, from your pastor to every one of these guys that stood up here, to your deacons, to your grow group leaders, listen, we'll be the first ones to say, sign me up, man. Set me out on a watch against the enemy because I don't want to allow him to come in and do and wreak havoc like he wants to, amen? Let's stand on the wall for him. And you got leadership that is, that, that, that is uh, 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 in unity one with another that is saying, bring it on, man. Let's go for the glory of God. God, the rulers led the way. So there were the rulers. Now, let me say this. I'm very aware that the Jewish rulers didn't always get it right. But they did on this day. Well, you had the rulers that moved in. Who else moved in? Well, you had the reluctant. There were some who weren't quite so sure about all this. Look at verse one again. So the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of 10 to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy, holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. Now we're gonna see some folks that volunteered to move, but there still wasn't enough people. So they had like a draft, if you will. And verse one says they cast lots. And one in 10 people of the population of Judea had to move themselves and their families inside the city. And these were some folks that were a little bit reluctant to be fully committed. But I don't ever see where they pushed back against the leadership. They were a little bit reluctant to, 
take that step and move inside the walls. But the lot fell on them and they said, all right, Nehemiah, we're in. I wonder what caused the reluctant people to say, hey, we're in. I happen to believe it may have been the revival that took place in chapters 8, 9, and 10. The man, they, they got a taste and they saw what God could do. And they said, you know what? I might have been a little bit reluctant at first, but, but, but sign me up. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Amen? They, they, said, they said, I may have been a little bit slow, but, but I'm in. And after this past week, there may be some of you, you've been a little bit reluctant to get into a grow group. You've been a little bit reluctant to give sacrificially. You've been a little bit reluctant to share the gospel with that loved one that you need to share the gospel with. But this past week, man, something has stirred inside your soul. And you've said, listen, I was a little bit reluctant before, but I've seen the power of the Almighty. And I'm just going to step up and I'm going to be fully committed to the cause. Where I was once reluctant, man, I am all in now. There was the rulers, there was the reluctant, but then there was the resolute. Look at verse two. And the people blessed all the men, watch this, that what? Willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. There was just a group of people that said, Nehemiah, you don't even have to ask. We in. They just willingly engaged. This is a special bunch of people. Resolute in their commitment to honor God, volunteered to move into a place of great risk. They didn't have to be drafted. They didn't have to have their arms twisted. They didn't have to be begged. And listen, there's opportunities for many of you to serve you may be reluctant, you may be resolute, but it's time to get in. And your life is not even going to be at risk. Well, if you serve in the nursery, it might be a little bit at risk. <laughs> That's coming from somebody that spent five nights, six nights in revival this past week with the nursery. Amen. But don't you want to be one of those folks that says, you don't have to ask me, pastor. I'm in. That's what the resolute of Nehemiah's day did. And the Bible says they were blessed by all men. But I tell you, those guys weren't as concerned about being blessed by men then they were being blessed by the man. What we do is not for the applause of man. But there's a Messiah named Jesus that knows that we're in a battle here. He knows that we have engaged with the enemy because we're trying to push back darkness. And I'm grateful for a church that said, we're going to make a difference in this community. We're, we're, we're going to commit to, 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 to these children, man. You've committed a bunch of million dollars to, to, to build a building that would house some children that they might hear the, 
true gospel of Jesus Christ and be converted and saved and changed this world. Amen. You've committed to that and you should be grateful for that. But here's the thing. We've experienced great revival and we had started this project. We've now had revival. It's time to re-engage. Amen. So if you've been reluctant to engage, today's the day. Just engage. You say, what do I do? Well, in just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. You can come down here and you can begin to pray and ask God what it is he'd have you to do. And when you get up, don't go back to your seat. Just go right back out them doors. Stop at next steps and tell them, I want to serve somewhere in this church. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Some of you probably ought to find a spot in an altar and say, Lord, I've been serving and I hadn't been reluctant to serve and I had my soul stirred this past week and I want to tell you thank you for stirring my soul to keep on going for the glory of God. And it could be that you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And if that's you today, I want to invite you in just a moment when we stand to our feet, you make your way forward, put your hand in mine and just say this, Pastor, I need to be saved. I would love nothing more than to take the word of God and show you how you can leave today knowing heaven is your home. But church, Nehemiah got started. Revival broke out. And at the end of revival... He just re-engaged in the work. I'm asking you today, it's time after enjoying a great revival to re-engage in the work. What is it God would have you to do? Is there something, something that God would have you to do inside this local fellowship? You say, Pastor, I'm not quite sure where, where I could serve here. I'm not quite sure. Why don't you come and pray and ask God to put something on your heart that you can do inside this local fellowship for the glory of God. It could be that you want to find a spot in an altar and just tell him thank you for what he did in your heart this past week. As we stand to our feet, Chosen Road's going to lead us in a song of invitation. And I'd ask you to just come do business with God. If you're unsaved, you come. If you need to find a place of service, you come. If you just need to talk to the Lord about what's next in your life and being one of those that's resolute and not reluctant, you come and do business with the Holy God. You come. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.